How is everybody? Good? Kyle kind of mentioned it briefly uh, this time last year when we had Easter service. Um, recorded it in here on a Wednesday by myself. No people in here. Kyle back at the camera. And um, that, that weekend, I remember it was very, very depressing sitting on my couch watching myself on TV do Easter. Um, not because I'm like upset with my life or anything. I, the, looking at myself didn't make me depressed. That's not what I'm trying to say. It was just the fact that I couldn't worship together with other believers, and it was, uh, it was pretty crazy, pretty bizarre. So this year's a little special. It's nice, the things we take for granted, right, that we can actually gather together. Very, very good. Now, so a fun story. So these videos, we, we make all these in-house, like animate them and do everything. Chris and Spencer that work here. And <laughs> so <laughs> periodically during the week, like especially on Mondays, I'm in front of my laptop for about six and a half, seven hours straight, just writing a lesson, right? And I'm just sitting there, you know, in my dark office writing a, a lesson. And periodically uh, throughout the day, I go to Kyle's office, and he has a really sweet electric scooter. And so I borrow his electric scooter, often without him knowing it. And um, I take off, and I go visit the, the creative team down here, you know, because they got their office, and they're together. And so I come in there, and they're doing their, you know, their work, and I pull in there with, you know, Kyle Scooter, and I'm like, hey, guys, what's going on, and what you working on, and we talk about, you know, meaningless, pointless stuff, like new Marvel movies and stuff, and we're just talking, and, and so uh, a couple of weeks back, we had our team lead meeting, <laughs> and it was brought up, they're like, hey, you know, like, you know, just be really cognizant of the creative team when you interrupt them in the middle of doing stuff, you know, just be aware, and I was sitting there, and I was like, and I leaned over to Chris and Spencer, and I was like, does anyone interrupt you guys besides me? And they're like, no. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll stop doing that. My, it's my bad. I'll, I'll go scoot around the church and find someone else to, to, to hassle. So, okay, let's talk about today a little bit. Um, posted something on Facebook the other day. I hate social media. I don't really like using it. I just kind of use it to promote the church and look at old cars, but mostly to promote the church. And uh, posted something the other day uh, that we would not have any theatrics, any entertainment to speak of, nothing like that for Easter. For the most part, everyone, you know, they thought that was great. And of course, there's always people that want to argue everything. I, I feel like I could post the word purple on Facebook and someone would get offended and hurt by that. And be, How dare you, purple? Anyways, um, and there's some people that, that, that wanted something different. But I just wanted to be upfront and say... Um, we're just going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. We're not going to have any frills or, or listen, here, here's what I'm getting at. We live in such chaotic times. The church doesn't have time to be a house of entertainment. We have got to teach the message of Christ. Listen, I get you guys for 45 minutes this, 45 minutes this week. And instead of just making you laugh and, and, and dancing around like some kind of clown, I'm going to present to you the most important things that we can possibly talk about. So here's my hope for you today. And it's not going to be a downer, guys. I promise you, you're not going to leave this place being like, you know, Easter sucked. It's not going to be like that. We'll, we'll have fun this morning. But we are going to talk about some very, very important things. The first thing we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about what makes what we're doing this morning different than anything else that's going on in the world. What makes this different? What makes the God that we claim to follow, if you claim to follow Jesus Christ, what makes him unique to all other theological stances or ideologies that are in the world today? And then we're going to ask ourselves kind of an introspective question. What brought us here this morning? 
Why'd you get up and drive to this place? Why, why did you come into this packed room and, and hear me rant and rave and hear music? What, 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 what brought you here this morning? So what I'm going to have to ask of you guys today is we're going to have to just be very, very vulnerable and very, very honest with ourselves today because there's too much at stake for us to just be playing games, okay? So we're going to talk about what makes Christ unique. We're going to talk a little bit about the state of the world today, and then we're just going to ask ourselves some, some pretty tough and honest questions at the end of this. So if you've never been to this church before, we go through whole books of the Bible. We're going through the book of Romans uh, boy, Savut did a fantastic job last week. If you weren't here for Romans chapter four, he did a great job. I'm also offended that he always gets applause when he preaches, and I haven't in 12 years. So anyways, uh, that's okay. That's just me, my insecurities. But um, he did a great job. We'll be back in Romans next week. We'll be in chapter five, and we'll be moving on with that. But this week, we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? So you should have gotten uh, notes when you walked in. Everything will be on all the different TVs around the room if you're watching at home, they'll be in the bottom third of the screen. If you have a smartphone, the Experience Community app, it's a really good way to follow along with everything, and I think we, we should be in good shape, okay? So let me pray. Let's jump into this today, and um, I hope you guys get to go home and celebrate with your families a little bit and your friends and enjoy this good weather we're supposed to have, okay? Father, Lord, we love you. God, we genuinely are grateful for the time that we get with each other this morning. Lord, thank you, God. Lord, thank you for what we get to celebrate today, God, not just your death and your burial, God, but the fact that you have defeated the grave and been resurrected for us, Lord. God, we pray that you keep your hand on every church in our city. We pray that they are full to the brim, God. We pray that the gospel goes forth, Lord, and people hear it and their lives are changed. Father, we pray that you keep your hand on, on our four churches, God, and pray, God, that everything that we talk about today, Lord, that it blesses you, that it honors you, God, and then it brings us closer. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray all these things in your son's name, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, we live in today what's called a pluralistic society. If you've never heard that term before, all it means is that we live in a society where a lot of different people choose a lot of different ideologies, theologies, beliefs, and faiths. We live in a culture that says, if it's right for you, that's fine, pursue that. This is right for me. I'm going to pursue this. That is pluralism. Now, this idea of pluralism or a pluralistic society is not a new idea. In fact, if you ever buy one of these books, the Bible, and if you start it from the very beginning, uh, humanity is pretty fascinating. Humanity was created in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. In Genesis chapter 3, humanity sins. It didn't take us long, right? And it put a chasm between us and God. And then by Genesis chapter 6, it says that humanity has gotten so evil, so wicked, right, that the majority of people on planet Earth had started worshiping manufactured gods. There's only one God, so they would start to create new gods. And the reason why they would do this, if you look at the lineage of the first people ever created to chapter 6, it's not a huge difference between the original humans and then these generations that came after them that started creating new gods why in the world would they do such a thing? It's the same reason why people worship different gods today or why we create new gods or why we don't worship a god at all. It all boils down to what we want, selfishness, self-centeredness. And what happened at the beginning of the Bible is because the God of the Bible asks us to live in a certain manner and treat people in a certain way and live out certain principles, some people don't want to do that. So they make a God that kind of works around their schedule 
Or some people don't believe in a God at all because, well, I don't think there's anything that should tell me how to live my life. And so this has been going on virtually for as long as people have existed. So right now in the world, I want to tell you some of the biggest religions on planet Earth, minus Christianity, which is still the biggest by a very slim margin. And I'm going to exclude the third largest religion that we'll talk about here in a second. But the other biggest religions, minus Christianity and atheism, right now on planet Earth, comprise 55% of the world's population. You have Islam, and they have the God Allah, which some people will debate is the same God as the Jewish and Christian God, but even if you think that is the same God, which I personally don't, there is some very stark differences and a major missing piece with Islamic theology, and that is a savior. You have Hinduism, and I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but even amongst Hindu scholars, there's debates on how many gods they serve. One end says that they only have 33 gods, only 33 gods. The other end of the spectrum says they have up to 33 million gods, depending on who you ask. You have Buddhism that is non-theistic, which means they don't follow a god. They follow the teachings of a man named Buddha, and they actually teach that believing in a god distracts you from being personally enlightened. And then the fourth largest religion, minus Christianity and, and uh, atheism, is what's called tri Chinese traditional religions, which is a kind of a stew of ancestral worship and, and worshiping immortals and worshiping gods and, and a blend of Buddhism in all this. But listen, guys, this compromises or, or this, this uh, comprises somewhere in the neighborhood of about six billion people that believe these things. That is a huge number of the world's population. So right now, we live in a very pluralistic world. And in our part of the world, our God is not Krishna or Vishnu or, or Allah or anything. Our God in the Western world and in the United States is the God of self. Now, that may seem crazy, but I'm going to show you some stats that, that, that make this point very, very clear. The third largest group of people on planet Earth right now are called nuns, not N-U-N-E-S, or N-U-N-S, N-O-N-E-S, nuns, none of the above. These are people that say, when it comes to a belief in something bigger than me, I'm none of the above. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in that. Not only are there 2 billion atheists right now on planet Earth, guys, there's only like 2.4 billion Christians, so there's almost as many atheists as there are Christians on planet Earth right now. Not only are they the third largest group of people, they are the quickest rising the fastest growing group of people. Now, what has become very disturbing about this belief is this idea of putting ourselves above all other things. This idea has actually entered into the church. This is why the church doesn't teach the Bible the way they used to, because the Bible doesn't put us first. It puts God first. The reason so many churches have become places of entertainment and just having a good time is it's really about me. It's about God serving me. And so what has happened is even amongst a lot of professing Christians, the idea of self has really become more important than the idea of the true God. That is the God of the Western world. We are the first group of people who have ever existed who have entertained the notion that there is no God. We're the first group to ever do that. And then to the last God that we're going to talk about today, again, there's only one, but you understand what I mean, is the God that we serve, the God that we're here to celebrate. Now, the world would say that there is a problem with Jesus Christ. 
And the problem that they would bring up originated in the early 20th century by a guy named Kersey Graves, who wrote a book called The 16 Crucified Saviors. And the argument that he wrote in this book, which is extremely historically sloppy, so historically sloppy, he claimed that Thor was a crucified savior. Anyways, very historically sloppy, but a lot of atheists still use this book as a reference to say, and there's been so many documentaries like Religious and Zeitgeist and all these different things that say, well, Jesus was just another crucified savior. But when you actually study history, real history has never taught a religion or an individual like Jesus Christ. It has never been talked about the way that history talks about Jesus Christ. So you may be asking, well, what in the world makes Jesus different from all the different religions we've talked about already and all the different ideologies and theological standpoints? Well, I'm extremely glad you asked. So I'm going to show you today what makes what we're doing today so special and so important. The first thing that makes Jesus unique and different is when Jesus came onto the scene, he claimed to be the only God. Now, virtually every major religion that has ever existed since the dawn of time has believed in multiple gods. That's called polytheism. They've believed in a hierarchy of gods and a council of gods. That is minus Islam and Judaism. Those are both called monotheistic. They believe in one God. There's always been, though. That's why when Paul went and spoke to the Greeks and the Romans, it says in 1 Corinthians that when Paul talked to them about Jesus being the only God, the Greeks were like, wait a second, one God? What? It was a stumbling block to them. And so all around Athens, and when he got into Rome, and Paul is saying there's one God, that just didn't compute with a lot of people. So here's the thing, though. The Bible has always claimed that there's only been one God. Again, if you go back to the very beginning of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, it talks about that there is only one God. You know where the Christians get caught in the weeds in the book of Genesis? So many Christians argue about, did God create the, the, the heavens and the earth in literal six days, or was it over billions of years? And listen, how long it took him to do it is not the point of Genesis 1 and 2. Do you know what the point was of Genesis 1 and 2? When Moses wrote that, it was during a time when people believed in all kinds of gods. The God of the sea, the God of the sun, the God of the moon, the God of the wind, the God of the fields. And the big point with Genesis 1 and 2 is, is Moses said, no, 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 no. There wasn't one God for the sea and one God for the air. There was one God that created everything. There was one God that created the ground that you're standing on. One God that created the heavens and the stars and everything around you. There was one God that makes the wind blow and makes the sea move the way it does. It wasn't about how long it took for creation to happen. The point of Genesis 1 and 2 was there's only one God. One God made it all. And the reason Jesus got crucified is Jesus, God on earth, God in the flesh, came down and said, there's only one God, and you're looking at him. And that's what led him to be put on a cross. What makes Jesus unique to all other theological stances is Jesus says, I am exclusively God. There is no other God. Another thing that makes Jesus stand out is Jesus directly denounces the Western God of self or the American God of self. Listen, especially you young people in here, but you older people, you experience it too. We live in a culture right now that is all about the individual. Pursue what you want, right? 
Follow your heart. If you feel it, do it. It has to be good. No one can tell you how, you how to live your life. No one can tell you what your identity is. No one can tell you what direction to take. It is all about you. And it is fascinating to me that the Bible completely contradicts that kind of ideology. Jesus says, don't find your life, lose your life. Lose your life for me. And then you will understand what it means to truly live. The world right now says, do not deny yourself. And Jesus says in the book of Matthew, deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. The reason why Jesus says that is the Bible says that God's plans for us are better than our plans for us. That we think we know what's best, but Jesus says, you really don't. You need to trust me. Forget your desires and follow my desires. You know what's really radical about Jesus and makes him different? is not only does Jesus say, put yourself after me, Jesus says, put yourself after your neighbor. The Bible says to outdo each other with honor. What a great world that would be, right? Like walking into the grocery store and you're like, can I get the door for you? And you're like, no, 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 you first. No, you first. No, you first. I want to outdo you here, right? What a great world that would be. So what we see in the teachings of Jesus is he is completely counter-cultural. Another amazing thing about Jesus is virtually every single religion that has ever existed says that you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be saved, that you have to perform some kind of works or you cannot be saved. In Islam, it is the five pillars. In Buddhism, it is the wheel of Dharma. In Judaism, it is the Old Testament law. What is so unique about Jesus and what is so unique about the Christian faith is Christianity is the only religion on planet earth that says it's not by what you've done, it's by what's been done for you that you are saved. Hey, thank you to the person over there that, that, that started that, that little clapping there. Thank you. See, what every other religion teaches you is they say you must be capable. You must achieve you must do this. You know what Jesus tells us? Jesus says, you are incapable, but I am very capable. Let me do it for you. All you have to do is believe in my work. Now, again, listen, I'm not trying to like knock on people that aren't Christians, but if you study Islam much, in fact, Muhammad that works here used to be an, an, an Islamic imam, a, a pastor of a mosque until he got saved. Now he works here. Great story. Muhammad will tell you, though, one of the phraseologies that they would use in Islam that, that imams would use is they would say, Pursuing Allah, their God, is like walking on a razor's edge. Every single move has to be perfect or Allah will knock you off into the abyss. Jesus is starkly different. Jesus looks at us and says, man, don't even try. You can't walk that line. I'm going to walk it for you. I'm going to do it for you. It's not your works. It's my works. We are incapable. What makes Jesus unique is it's not about us being good. It's about him being good, right? That's what makes him unique to all other things. Look at this paragraph. This was written about Jesus about 700, 800 years before Jesus was even born. Isaiah wrote this. Now, you've, you've probably heard this passage before, but I'm going to try to show it to you in a different light. This is talking about what Jesus has done for us. He bore our sickness. He carried our pain. He was pierced because of our rebellion. He was crushed because of our sin. He was punished for our peace. We are healed by his wound. We went astray. We turned away. And the Lord punished Jesus for the iniquity, the sin in us. 
You know what that paragraph says? You have not done anything good. All you and I have done is sinned and been evil. And the only reason we experience peace is because Jesus did it. The only reason we experience healing is because Jesus did it. The only way that we can be saved is because Jesus has done it. Jesus took the punishment we deserve. We have done nothing. What this chapter in Isaiah says is it's not about your works. He did it all. He carried it all. He made the way. That's how much he loves us. And again, this is what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the resurrection in particular. And let's just say, for instance, that old Cursey Graves' book was correct, and there were 16 people that were killed for their people, martyred for their people. Even if that is true, not one of those myths or legends says that that person was resurrected by their own power from the grave and that they opened up the door for, listen, for all of us to be resurrected from the grave one day. There is no theology like Christian theology and a belief in this and a belief that this life is not everything, that there is more to our existence, that it's not about just how attractive we are, how much money we are, how popular we are, but there is a life after this one. And that it is only by what Jesus did that he resurrected and conquered death that we are also able to resurrect from the grave and conquer death and live with him forever. Look at what he said. Jesus didn't say, I'm one of the resurrections. Jesus said, I'm the only resurrection. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. And look at this. He goes on. He says, the one who believes in me, even if you die, you're going to live. So Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. But if you believe in me, you're going to be the resurrection too. You're going to defeat the grave. You're going to come back to life. And you're going to get to live in eternity with him. I love how he phrases this at the end in John. He says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus says, do you believe that? Because if we believed that, it would change how we do everything. If we truly believed that we have everlasting life only through Christ, it would change how we do everything. Another very unique and beautiful thing about Jesus is that Jesus is not just the creator of everything. He is personal. He is loving. He is intimate. The Bible says in John, all things were created through him and apart from him, nothing was created. It was Jesus. But even though he created all and everything was created for him, Jesus is still accessible to us. He's still personal to us. Every other religion basically says, get your act together and then come. And Jesus tells us, you can't get your act together until you come to me. <laughs> Even the church has started to speak this. There's so many churches that said, hey, make sure you're cleaned up and polished and that you don't smell like smoke or whatever when you walk into this place. Make sure you get your act together and then you can come in. The true gospel is, come on with your brokenness. Come on with your lust and your greed and your hatred and your anger Come on with your sexual struggles. Come on with all your, your faults and failures and insecurities and lies. Come on with all your darkness because the only thing that changes that is the light. And so we have to have a place. We have to have a place that is full of the light with the doors open so people that are dark can come in and so they can be brought into an environment where God changes them. The only way we can get our act together is to be in the presence of God. 
And not only does he know us, not only does he love us, we serve a God that just wants to hang out with you. He wants to know how work was. He wants to know about how your kids are. He just wants to talk to you, man. It says in the book of Genesis, Genesis before, before creation messed up, that God would come down and he would walk in the garden with Adam and Eve. Isn't that beautiful? That's what he wants to do with us. And guys, we're literally going to get to do that one day in heaven. Think about that. One day, you and I are going to get to just stroll around and talk to the creator of the universe. That's what he wants. That's what he wants with us. Now, guys, why does any of this matter? Why am I up here screaming and shouting? It's Easter. We should have some guy dressed up as a bunny roller skating, throwing AirPods at you guys. Why am I doing this? One day, one day I'm going to do it <laughs> just, just to be goofy, right? But not on Easter. I want to do it on just a random Sunday. Some guy, roller, roller blade, that's even cooler, right? Roller blade through here. Why does this matter? Why does this matter, guys? Why are we talking about something so serious today? We're doing this because if you haven't noticed, the world is falling apart. It's falling apart. I'm not just saying that because sometimes when I work on my car, talk radio's on. That's not why I'm saying that. I'm saying that because the numbers don't lie. Right now, I did a bunch of research on this. These are all secular institutes that gave us these numbers, these figures. These aren't religious ones. Right now, the University of Minnesota said there are more people depressed. These are all United States stats. There are more people depressed in the United States than there has ever been. It has tripled in the last two years. That's before covid it's before COVID happened. There are more people depressed around you right now than there has ever been in the history that we have recorded depression. There are more suicides right now, according to the Washington Post, than there has ever been on planet Earth. And that's not just young people, right? It's people who are elderly. There are more elderly killing themselves right now than has ever happened before. 50% of all marriages end up in divorce. And now that number has actually gone down, but that's not a positive thing. Do you know what that means? That means that less people are getting married. That means that these 20-somethings who are coming up who saw, and I'm not trying to be mean, their baby boomer parents completely wreck their marriages, a bunch of 20-somethings go, well, I don't even want to participate in that. You know what that stat says? Relationships are worse than they've ever been. Ever been. 80% of people in the United States are in such debilitating financial crisis that they will never get out of the debt that they are in right now. And hate crimes are at an all-time high, according to NPR. Child and domestic abuse are at record highs, according to the New York Times. Do you know what these stats tell us? Look at this. We have not been more isolated and sad than, we've been, than we are right now. We have never had such broken relationships as we do right now. We have never been in more financial crisis than we are right now. And we have never been more violent than we are right now. Let me show you an interesting thing to compare to that. According to Lifeway Research, isn't it odd right now that as violence and depression and relationships falling apart and bankruptcy, as all those things arise, less and less people believe in the Christian God. Just a little bit more than half of everyone you run into even believe that there is a God right now. That doesn't mean they follow him. They just believe that he exists. Less than 23% of people who claim to be Christians go to church on a regular basis. I get a kick out of all these people who proclaim Christ, but go, well, church isn't important. 
Let me show you some statistics. It seems like church is pretty important, especially when the Bible says that you should go to church more and more often the closer that Jesus' return gets to us. It's in Hebrews. Only 5% of Christians read the Bible once a month. Maybe the reason for that is, is only 43% of Christians even believe that that book is the, the real word of God. Only 24% of Christians share their faith, faith twice in a year. We wonder why the world is falling apart because Christians don't tell anyone else that Christ is good. Christians are not telling anyone that Christ has transformed their life. There was a really happy fellow the other day. I don't even know who he is. This is one of the luxuries of pastoring a big church. He's on social media, which I hate. He's on social media, posted a picture of another really happy fellow who is bashing, I, I hate to say his name, Lil Nass. Because Lil Nass has satanic shoes, right? So instead of this pastor being loving and praying for Lil Nass, this pastor, and obviously one of his congregants that doesn't like me very much, said, we need to be calling stuff like this out. Where are other pastors calling this garbage out? And then he said, where is Corey Trimble? <laughs> I shouldn't have done this. I'm just going to confess. <laughs> but I responded. And I said, well, I'm busy loving people that don't know Jesus Christ. I'm busy praying for people that are confused. This is where it gets bad. I'm busy planting churches and spreading the gospel in other counties. And then I said, and where are you? Shouldn't have done it. Listen, don't do that. And my wife goes. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. We will not bring people to a God that is loving by hating them and talking bad about them. You know what you need to do? You know what Jesus did with the woman at the well? Pardon my language, those of you that have children in here. He didn't sit down by this woman and be like, man, you're really a slut. You should change. You know what Jesus said? He goes, I have something better than this material thing that is, that is feeding you right now. Jesus said, I have something better for you. And he didn't even call out her sin. She brought it up. She goes, well, the man that I'm with is not my husband. He goes, you're right. You've been with a lot of men. He loved her. He spoke to her kindly. He offered her a better direction. And you know what she did? She took it. And then it says she went to the town where she was from and everyone there took it too. It's amazing what happens because the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. It's the way Jesus operated. Jesus wasn't in the game of calling everyone out and making everyone feel like garbage. Jesus said, there is no condemnation in me, right? I came to save you from condemnation. That's what Jesus said. Maybe the reason the world is so dark right now is because people that have the light are not out shedding that light on other people, sharing that light with other people. So why is this important? Why are we doing this today? We're doing it because our ways are failing. Those stats show that. Paul says in Romans 1.22, he says, as they're claiming to be wise, they just become more foolish. Isn't this our world today? We claim that we're more enlightened, we're more evolved. We claim that we're smarter and that we know better and we don't need anything bigger than us. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I know the way. And the more that we claim to know everything, the more that we plummet into the abyss. Now, listen, I'm a very logical person. My wife, who is a chemist and a biologist, she's very, very logical, right? Logically speaking, 
If doing what we want to do all the time and pursuing self, if that's the right answer and it is only leading us to more depression, more suicide, more divorce, more financial crisis, and more violence, logically speaking, if this road keeps taking us to the same destination, logically speaking, shouldn't we try a different road? Shouldn't we try a different direction? Or is the question, have we not fallen on our face hard enough yet? It's coming. It's coming. Why is this important? This is important because this isn't some problem that's somewhere else. This is important, brothers and sisters, because I struggle with my worth. This is important because I have to know where my value comes from. This is important because I sometimes struggle with anger. This is important because I have two little girls at my home. This is important because I have a wife that I am to protect and provide for. This is important, not because it's some problem somewhere else, because it's in my neighborhood. It's a problem because all of us need to know Christ. And this conversation matters. What Savut said last week, because we cannot do this under our own power. It is impossible. Listen, you're going to fail me. I'll tell you what, I'm going to fail you too. I'm going to fail my wife. I'm going to fail my kids. I'm going to fail myself. That's why there has to be something beyond me, better than me, bigger than me, more knowledgeable than me. And listen, 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 listen. Listen to how important this statement is. And we don't, we don't meditate on this statement enough. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way. You're looking for the road. I'm the road. Jesus said, I'm the truth. He says, you're looking for life. He says, there is no life outside of me. I am the life. Look at how profound that statement is. The reason why the world is falling apart is because there's only one way to life. And that is through Jesus Christ. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Why does all this that we're talking about today matter? Because if what Jesus said is true, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. If he is the one that defines what is good and evil, that means that there is a standard that we have to live by. There's good and bad news to that. The good news is, is that if we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the way, the truth, and the life, that we are eternally rewarded for that that we get to be with Christ forever in a perfect place where there is no death. There is no pain. There is no global war. There are no hungry children. And then the other side of that, though, is if we ignore that truth. If we ignore what we have talked about today, we will be held accountable for that. It's important. So I want to ask you today, why are you here? I don't mean that condescending. I don't mean that judgmental. I want you to be vulnerable and I want you to be honest. What brought you here today? Are you here because you just felt obligated? Ah, I say I'm a Christian. It's Easter. Gotta go, right? And listen, I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I promise you. But if you're here today because that's just what Christians do, they go to church that, you know, once or twice a year, Easter and Christian and uh, Christmas. If you're here out of that obligation, 
If you claim to be a Christian, do you think that's enough for a savior that hung on a cross and bled to death for nine hours? I'm not trying to be a jerk, but do you think, the, do you think that like makes us square? Well, I gave up an hour and a half. Listen to that guy rant and rave. Wasn't even wearing shoes up there, right? <laughs> that doesn't make us good. Did we come into this place looking for a quick fix? I've been a pastor for 12 years now. Sometimes I'll be walking off the stage and someone will run up and they're like, man, I've been cheating on my wife for eight years. She left me. I'm falling apart. Pray for me. I need it to get fixed right now. And I'm like, man, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. If we're looking for like a quick fix or if you came here just looking for a silver bullet, I just need to get blessed financially. I just need this to happen. I really like this guy and I want him to go out with me. I just, come on, pastor, can you pray for my, my silver bullet? My, my quick fix. Listen, if you came in here just for a quick fix, if you're not looking for an intimate relationship with God, if you're only here because you just want a, a fast pass to paradise or a get out of hell free card, you know what's happened is the Western God of self has actually taken precedent over the true Savior because it's still all about you. Did you come here to really know God? Did you come here to learn some truth? Did you come to dive deeper? What did you come to find? Listen, are we asking the bigger questions? Do you sit and meditate on the bigger questions? Guys, does it ever hit you that we have one shot at this life and you see how people use it? Again, I hate social media, but when you get on there and people are like, man, went to a party, got wasted, Girls night on the beach, we're drinking, we're hanging out, whatever. And I'm like, really, that's your life? That's all life is to you. What happens when you get old? What happens when you spend all your money? What happens when there comes a day of reckoning for that crazy and, and reckless behavior? Are we not asking the bigger questions of what is the truth? Why am I alive? And what happens after this life? So it's kind of a blessing and a curse, right? So, so I'm talking about being married to me, my, my wife. We go out every single Friday and we do kind of a day date. Kids are at school and we get, you know, the whole morning and afternoon before we have to go pick them up. And, and so we love sushi. We're, we're, we're sushi people. And so every once in a while we'll go and we'll go get good sushi. And, and the, the, the curse of being married to me is I'm that guy we're in the middle of eating good sushi, right? Big old piece of like white tuna. And um, I'm like, hey, Alicia, you think anyone in here has thought about eternity today? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> she just wants to eat her sushi, right? Get her miso soup. That's all she wants. She doesn't want to talk about stuff like that. She just wants to hang out. Let me tell you a funny story. Because uh, <laughs> you guys need to laugh a little bit. You don't want to leave here being like, oh, boy, church was a downer this year. Anyways, um, <laughs> For spring break, we didn't go out of town. We just, we, we did like day trips. We went to the Space Center in Huntsville one day. We went to McMinnville one day to do Cumberland Caverns and we just did stuff. So Friday uh, of last week, I told Alicia, because, you know, I was like, hey, it's spring break. Money is no object, which is a very hard thing for me to verbalize. Money is no object. I said, let's introduce our children to sushi because we're sushi people. So we go to Lemongrass, right? Good sushi. I said, let's not look at the price of those rolls. Let's just get the best rolls that they have. Let's get the fancy stuff, right? 
and our kids can experience good sushi. Let me tell you what, there's nothing like watching your daughter bite into a, a, a roll that was like 16 bucks and seeing them spit it out because they think it's disgusting. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, that one bite was five bucks. <laughs> so that whole, that whole money is no object thing went right out the window. And the whole time I'm like, maybe I can salvage that piece right there, right? You know? <laughs> in our pursuit in these lives, let me ask you, are we pursuing the greater things? Listen, God doesn't have a problem with you living in a nice house or driving a nice car or being married to an attractive person or wearing, God does, God, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that stuff. But let me tell you, God wants more for you than just material prosperity. God wants more for you than just popularity and good looks and having nice things. God wants you to experience true love. God wants you to experience peace. God wants you to know what your true identity is. Right now, we live in a world that is trying to find their identity, and they're trying to find it in race or nationality or gender or sexuality or political affiliation or how much money is in their bank account. Jesus Christ wants you to know you are the only thing that has ever been created that looks like God. You are made in his image. You're not made in the image of a nation or a color or a political affiliation. You are made in the image of the creator God. And if we understand that our identity is in him, that we are the masterpiece of God's creation, that gives us a sense of value that we don't have to get our affirmation from little hearts and little huggy emojis. Like our affirmation comes from the fact that we look like God. We're made in his image. We find fulfillment. We find purpose in that. And when we go looking for all of these things in any other direction than Christ, it just yields the results that we talked about earlier. Depression, anxiety, divorce, bankruptcy, So what do we do now, guys? What do you do when you walk out of this place? Do I have to wait until next Easter to see you or Christmas? What are we going to do now? Before you answer this question, there are these series of questions. Let me ask you this. Is pursuing self working? Has pursuing our desires over the desires of God, has that given us the results that we wanted? If not... Let me ask you, will we humble ourselves today and will we verbalize to God and to ourselves that we are incapable of saving ourselves? Listen, right now, the big, the big movement right now is let's stop all these hatred things. Let's all these initiatives to stop people hating. Hatred's bad, guys. It's a sin. All these initiatives, stop racism. Listen, racism is bad. It's a sin. But I'm going to tell you something. We can funnel trillions of dollars into initiatives to stop hate and racism and division and everything else. But I'm going to tell you, it's never going to work because the only thing that can alleviate and deal with evil is the source of good, and that is Jesus Christ. Listen, until we turn people's hearts and minds to Christ, there's always going to be hate. There's always going to be division. There's always going to be prejudice and racism. The solution is Christ. And so we as a people have to humble ourselves and say, we can't fix it. We cannot fix the problems of humanity. Only God can do that. Only the creator can do that. 
we have to choose to lose our lives. It is only when we give up our desires and our lives that we truly understand what living really is. That's why the book of Jeremiah says, God has good plans for you. We have to trust that even though we think we have good plans, God's plans are a lot better. His ways are a lot better. He will do things for you and to you and through you that you would have never thought of on your own. God is better. Let me ask you this. Will we meditate on what we've talked about today? Will we think about it? Will we sit sometimes in a restaurant or a coffee shop and maybe put down the phone and close the laptop and maybe go someplace alone or go for a drive? And will we think about the greater things? Will we think about the, the, the enormity of the situation that is at hand? Will we think about eternity? Will we think about what we're doing with our lives? And will we take the, take the step of faith? And listen, we don't only believe that Jesus Christ died and resurrected for our sins. We have to live in that resurrection. That means that when we raise our children, we raise our children knowing that the God of the universe willingly gave his life and was resurrected from the grave for me, for you. If we do that, we will raise our children differently. If we don't just believe in the resurrection, but live in the resurrection, marriages will look different. Schools will look different. Work environments will look different. Your neighborhoods will look different. You will look different. It's not just believing that Christ was resurrected. It is living in that resurrection. You know why I'm a little perturbed that Easter is such a big deal? Because every single time we gather, it should be a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know why. God loves you. He wants to, to talk with you. He wants to change your life. He wants to set you free. He wants you to walk in joy and peace and contentment. He wants you to feel valued. But if we're going to experience that, we have to humble ourselves and lay ourselves down at his feet and say, God, my life is yours. Whatever you want to do with me, go ahead. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Listen. I'm going to ask you one more time to do me a favor, and I need you to be really, really vulnerable, okay? Up here on my right, your left, Pastor Isaac is at the corner of the stage. If you are in this room and you either don't have a relationship with God, maybe you're looking, you're genuinely looking, but you're, you're not convinced. If you have any questions, I would love for you to come up and talk to Pastor Isaac. He's our discipleship pastor. He would love to talk with you, okay? If you're in this room and you need prayer for anything, if you're sick, if you're struggling, if you have hateful feelings run through your mind, if you're having financial problems, anything that you're dealing with, if you want to confess something, if you want to talk, there are men and women on both sides of the stage, please let them pray for you. And then the very last thing is you have communion in your hands. Today, today I, I, I want to ask you to really meditate and think and ponder on what we're about to do. What that, that, that communion represents is not just the death of Christ, the blood and the body. It also symbolizes the fact that he rose again. And that because of him dying on the cross and resurrecting, you and I are also promised that we will resurrect. 
that we will meet him and that we will be with him forever. I ask you that before you take that communion, the Bible says we have to repent, which means we need to, we need to address the sin in our lives. God, forgive me, and God, thank you. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I, I don't know why I feel the need to say this. No one in this room has come in with any amount of sin that cannot be forgiven right now. There is no reason that anyone has to leave this building not being 100% squeaky clean when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. God, protect my brothers and sisters in this room, everyone watching online. God, keep your hand on us, lead us, guide us, protect us, Lord. We love you, Father. We thank you for the death. We thank you for your resurrection, God. We thank you, Lord, that you love us even while we're at our worst, God. We give this day to you, Lord. We pray blessings over everyone in this room until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. I hope you have a good day.